Hello and welcome to the Free Associates. That's right, folks, the Free Associates, the freedom of association, the freedom to freely associate with anybody, anything, any idea comes our way because it is so important in times in which you're trying to figure out which way to go or what the options are on the table to keep every option really on the table. There's no option that's so abhorrent that we can't look at it. We may dismiss it quickly as abhorrent and move on, but it's okay because everything needs to be up for grabs as we move forward during this quarantine special, Free Associates Quarantine Special. Now, for the first time ever, we're broadcasting from our page, the Free Associates page, so that's exciting. We've managed to do that. Waylon and I have managed to do that. You yeah, managed we- to do that. I'm going to give oh, you all yeah. the credit over there. Hey. That was that was excellent. Huh. Well, thank you, and I'm going to kind of back... I'm gonna, well, now, see, you took the wind out of my sails because I was going <laughs> to... Your You're upset that I, co- that I complimented you right there. Let's think about that for a second. You, you cut me off at the pass. You know what I mean? Like I was ready to swing around <laughs> yeah. and crush you, but your compliment would be, you know, I would look boorish now if I criticized old man Whalen over there. Anyways, it's been a collaboration and Whalen is certainly the tech lead as he should be. Um, now we've been doing small pieces from Politico. If you're listening on WMUAM, or still listening to a rebroadcast of the show, and we're just so glad to have you on. And uh, if you're on Facebook Live, then of course we are live. Now, um, we are looking at a a series of short pieces from Politico that are trying to predict the future of America or the world after COVID goes away and and, and if it does or whatever. Now, we yesterday I got really cranky. So today I was really careful to pick the right piece. I am going to about to hypnotize you. Okay. Now you are actually, why is it so hard to get the light? Just, well, hypnotizing people is not easy. Uh, uh, oh, Waylon, wait for it. Wait for it. What's that, going there. Oh, uh, you're so no. close. I know. Oh. I know. What is it? What is it? I got to kind of come around here. So much time spent on something so frivolous. Yes. Well, <laughs> oh, there we go. Now that we are broadcasting from the free associates page, I want you to give us a like. Okay. That's the deal. Waylon is easily hypnotized. He's very suggestible. All right. So we're going to begin our show. Now, Waylon, do you notice anything different, perhaps? Um, let me see. Hold on a second. I mean, we've It's kind of like I spy right here. Well, it's a pretty easy I spy. We've been doing this for 10 uh, the, the The red shirt. The red shirt. The red, red shirt. shirt. I always worn a white shirt. But quite frankly, it's, it's laundry day, so I decided to go red. But I like it. It pops, you know? Yeah. No, I was just talking to my students about The Wizard of Oz. Do you know the whole deal behind The Wizard of Oz, how it's a populist tale? Do you know about that? No. You ever, oh, it's fascinating. Do you know what Oz stands for ounces? And you know, the yellow brick roads, the gold standard. And like, there's all these like allusions to the politics of their time. It's like really worked out. And Dorothy's slippers were silver in the book. They're red in the movie because red shows up way better. Mm-hmm. But they're actually okay. silver because the people out West wanted to introduce silver as part of the silver standard. They wanted to get off the gold standard. It's kind of complicated. We don't need to go into it, but look it up because it's really cool. All I know is that it syncs up with uh, Pink Floyd album. So, Well, that's Rock the other on. thing. That's the other thing. And, and uh, both um, the author of Wizard of Oz denies this, even though he was a political reporter in the Dakotas in the like 1870s, he says, no, it has nothing to do with politics. And Pink Floyd denies... Dark Side of the Moon syncing up with Wizard of Oz. You know that, right? Yeah, but... You're the, like, no, yeah. there's no way. Well, you got to keep the loonies on the path. Oh, my God. It's 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 good. Pink, there. Oh, Pink Floyd, man, they're one of the best. I mean, they're really artful. 
So how you doing today, Waylon? Good. Yep. I can't complain. I ran, I got my run in today. We had a faculty meeting. I like, yes. I, I wish we had, I don't, I don't want to say I wish we had faculty meetings, but I wish I had things to get up at a reasonable time for. Not that, uh. I, get, that I get up late. It's just, I get up at like, maybe I would say if I don't have a meeting or something, nine 30, nine 45, maybe 10. But if I have a meeting then I'm like, boom, I'm up. And once I get going, I'm good. But to get out of bed is is the is a struggle for me. Is that right? Yeah. yeah you and the students. I'll stay up all day, but yeah. The students are talking about sleeping in. I don't have that because my kids wake me up. So then, in a lot of ways, that's a blessing to be forced to wake up. Um, but in other ways, it's really not. You know, it'd be nice to sleep in every once in a while. Yeah. But you'll get there, my friend. You shall get there. All right. Now, speaking of getting there, you want to talk about the piece we're looking at today? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Now, I don't know. I told you yesterday I got cranky. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just say one thing. You, you were a good friend to me. You tried to calm me down. I did see something that was uh, very much from that piece that really cheered me up. So good. You, do, you know that, do you know that guy from The Office, John Krakenzowski or whatever? Yeah. So he's doing this thing called SGN, Some Good News. Have you seen that? Uh, so actually, your wife sent it to me today. It was, it was, it was great. Uh, I was did watching she, the technical stuff, but there was a lot of cool, positive stuff going on. I like, did I you see that. the Hamilton thing? I didn't see that part, no. Oh, man, you got to watch that because uh, you got to watch that. It's like literally it will send chills down your spine. I mean, to me, Hamilton is the great work of art of the last 10 years. Uh, like, uh, it hits so many levels so well. It's really an unusual piece. All right, now speaking of pieces and procrastination and stuff <laughs> like that, let's go to this one. So, and this is interesting because Waylon and I have a history with this piece, actually. I don't know if he noticed that. He usually waits for me to read it and then he brings up ideas on the spot. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, yeah, I just started yeah. pontificating without actually having anything reasonable to say. That's what I've always done. All right. So this is called Congress Can Finally Go Virtual. Ethan Zuckerman is Associate Professor of the Practice in Media Arts and Science at MIT, Director of the Center for Civic Media an author of Dis Digital Cosmopolitans, Why We Think the Internet Connects Us, Why It Doesn't, and How to Rewire re It, excuse me. So he says, coronavirus is going to force many institutions to go virtual. One that would greatly benefit from this change is the U.S. Congress. We need Congress to continue working through this crisis, but given uh, advice to limit gatherings to 10 or a few people, meeting on the floor of the House is not an especially wise option right now. At least two members of con Congress have already tested positive for the virus, and this was written a while ago. Instead, this is a time for Congress people to return to the districts and start the process of virtual legislation permanently. Not only is this move medically necessary at the moment, but it has ancillary benefits. Lawmakers will be closer to the voters they represent and more likely be sensitive to local perspectives and issues. A virtual Congress is harder to lobby as the endless parties and receptions that lobbies throughout Washington will be harder to replicate across the whole nation's party conformity also might loosen with representatives remembering local loyalties over party ties. In the long run, a virtualized Congress might help us tackle one of the great problems of the contemporary House of Representatives, reapportionment and expansion. The House has not grown meaningfully in size since the 20s, which means that a representative on air speaks for 770,000 constituents rather than the 30,000 the Founding Fathers mandated. If we demonstrate that a virtual Congress can do this job as well or better using 21st century technologies rather than 18th century ones, Perhaps we could return the house to the 30,000 to one ratio. George Washington prescribed. I mean, reading this piece, yep. I'm like, wait, did I, did I write that? Yeah. Did, did I write that in my it's plagiarism, my man? 
I don't. This is a Cody idea. Well, I'm not accusing uh, Ethan of, of plagiarism, but perhaps mutual genius. So, just to get Waylon, can you give people a little backstory okay, on yeah. relationship? So just a just a little synopsis. Uh, Norm actually had a wonderful idea that uh, he was battering around, batting around uh, a last election cycle of the idea that, of uh, ways to kind of communicate with individuals on an authentic, in, in authentic manner, manners in the 21st century using the technologies available to kind of get the pulse of society on not just what is going on at the moment, but just the every single thing that's going on. So it, it almost kind of comes back to this idea of not necessarily a representative democracy because you don't, you aren't voting. You, you're not literally voting for each thing, but you're discussing the legislation as it's, um, as it's being prepared on a, uh, on a, on a kind of, if, if I'm getting this right too, it, on, a, on a legislative <laughs> basis. I want to take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. Cause I'm getting a little lost in it. I know. And I'm the one who was like doing the elevator pitch speech. So this was after the Trump election and it was looking at the 18 election. And the idea was what if you had a political party that was called direct representation and that the Congress person gets elected not to go and vote for you, not knowing what you you want, but literally to be your proxy in Washington. And so by creating an app in which issues are floated into the district, people are allowed to vote on those issues. And then you just put the vote in that they they gave you, basically. So it, yeah. it it's it's both it is and it is not a representative vote. You there would there would be never a time, and this is just a question, there would be never a time where you would you would go against whatever the, the that's popular right. majority was. That's right. That's right. You know, that's the, so idea that's the that, thing that I didn't really quite understand there. So you okay. always do it no matter what. Well, I would say this, I thought that we had spoken about it at the time that if less than 5,000 people voted on the app then, or whatever, less than uh, yeah, I remember that. we just wouldn't put the vote in because it's just not enough of consensus. But otherwise, yes, I think it's really important to be just a proxy in that case. And so, yeah, it's whatever the majority of that one district out of 435 districts in the United States. This is not the presidency. It's not the Senate or the Supreme Court. It's a House of Representative member. So if, my, if I'm the congressperson in this direct representation, my job is to try to articulate the issues to you. But once I've done that, and when the people of the district, second district, Massachusetts, vote on the app for it, then that's it. My hands are tied. I'm literally a proxy. Yeah. I, I like that. I think um, I think that th what this with what this piece gets to is is similar to that. I think that it's more so of, about listening to your constituents and everything. Yeah, sure. I, I th it's it, it the thing that is the only concern for me is the potential anonymity of what's going on and the idea. And this is what we talked about too: the idea of just trolls and what happens and who and how you make sure that you're verifying that the people that are speaking on behalf of your district are actually in your district and thinking about these things in a critical manner. That's the only. That's that's really when when you have the just that anonymity of the of the uh, the internet. It can really lead to some pretty uh, divisive situations, and that's what you got to look out for. Yeah, I agree with that, Waylon. But here, here was my response to that then, and as is now. You know, if we have the technology to put all of your life savings uh, onto pixelated computers, 
then I just think that we'd be able to, it might take a while to come up with the technology that would work with this. I mean, you're all pro technology. So, you know, you're saying this is a potential problem. My answer to that is absolutely, it's a potential problem. And so, you know, after five or 10 years of whatever, because this would happen one district at a time, you know, it'd be literally like a political party. It's not like you're, then this is what I liked about the idea. You're not passing a constitutional amendment. You're literally just saying, I have the right to run for office. And when I run for office, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna create a piece of technology and I'm gonna put your votes in in Washington. Now, could there be hacks and failures? Of course, like with anything, there's hacks and failures, but should we go back to the way we used to bank where you went down and put cash in the bank and took it out? No, it took some time, but eventually we've learned to trust banks we don't even use cash anymore, like barely yeah. use cash. So that's my argument. Yeah, I think that it's particularly interesting from a teacher's perspective, because that's exactly what a teacher is supposed to do. A teacher is supposed to inform you, give you an educational background and context for things, and then let you decide what's going on for yourself. So the the, the big component of this is there was another component of this that uh, that was in your plan, which was the idea of like the picnic kind of the the picnic yeah. tables and the round tables and that and having that meaningful discussion. So you need to, this isn't just you press a button and say this is what I think. It's you actually come together for some meaningful dialogue and you're thinking about these things in a critical manner and then you're coming to your own conclusions. That is also, and again, we kind of switching roles now. I am a little cynical about that happening to a, to a meaningful extent too, in some sort of Zoom chat type thing. So oh, I'm well, just well, we wouldn't like. Okay, yeah, I get your point. So there's two things. If we're talking about table, the thing that we were going to do that would be in person. Obviously, that wouldn't be in Zoom because that'd be within your district. I do get your point though. If we go back to the reading. I, I would imagine there would be some concern that um, it would be hard. I mean, the advantage of, for example, Wall Street still exists, right? There's a place called Wall Street. There's a trading floor. Now, this might actually be an argument against it, though, because that's almost a very similar situation, right? You have a, a congregated place where people do finance, and yet that's good for them, but there's a sneaking suspicion that's not good for me, for example. Like, they're insider trading. They're playing off of proximity. They're able to kind of like make more money because they're closer to that nugget. If there was no nugget there, then you would have more of a fair chance if you were like a day trader or something like that. I think it's a similar argument. And that maybe, Waylon, I agree, like it would put a throttle <clears throat> on conveyance between Congress people. Maybe that's a good thing because I mean, the point that he makes about the lobbyists, we, I think, can both agree with, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm telling you that it's insidious. You know, I've read a little bit on this and like the amount of fundraisers and stuff like that. And it's insidious. You know, you basically go to a lobbyist and say, throw me a fundraiser. Yeah. It's not just the money they're giving you. Like, that's what these lobbyists do. They'll say, okay, uh, Waylon, we know you have a re-election coming up. We're going to throw you five fundraisers in the next two years, and it's going to be twenty thousand a plate. Like it's insidious stuff. So we're I, and here's the other argument. Of course, I'm passionate about this. Like he's only talking about the House of Representatives. Notice he's not talking about the Supreme Court or the Senate or the presidency. Um, the House of Representatives is designed by the founding fathers to be the voice of the people. Yeah, like that's Just what like it the is. House of Commons. Yeah. That's right. And it's allowed to be messy. 
like messy is okay. Like that's kind of the point of the house. And if you don't believe me, just watch C-SPAN. I mean, the people, some of the people who are in the House of Representatives look like they came in off the street. You know, they're not necessarily- I would definitely all... be a House of Representatives guy. <laughs> oh yeah, you're definitely a House guy. And I am too. Like, I appreciate that. It's the mob. The House is the mob. And then, you know, the Senate's there to be like, no, we're not doing that. Like, that's crazy. You know, we only get elected once every six years. So I'm not going to do that. Well, another... so I really like it. Yeah. yeah another ahead. thing that I just wanted to mention too was- uh, the ways in which we've already kind of democratized this idea of maybe not democratize is the right word, but are now in a little bit more of that intimate proximity to our, our representatives. And that's just by the viral nature of what goes on and the sharing of, of, of things that can be a good thing. It can also be a bad thing because of misinformation or misconstruing the context of something. But when you have a, when you have the ability to uh, live record something or to make a, fa a, a post on social media and disseminate that information. That stuff travels really fast. It can take a, on a life of its own, but you you got to bet your bottom dollar that a representative is going to be in tune with something that's happening, for instance, in Hampshire County or Franklin County that's getting 100,000 likes on, on Facebook that has grown to the extent that it's now outside of their realm of just locating or of just the conversation that's happening in that, that County. The biggest thing that comes up for me when I'm thinking about this is the Holyoke soldier zone. That became a microcosm for a much larger picture of, of how we are, we, how we handle and take care of our vets. I was outraged at it. I shared that. I, I was one of those people that, that continued that scale of sharing. So that's something that tunes in your elected leaders as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Outside of the idea of a platform that's managing it, there's platforms that we're using to exchange dialogue on these things that are having an impact as well. Sure. No, I think that's a that's a great point. Um, and so that that means that Congress people have to be more responsive. However, like the way these districts are, well, the gerrymandering is a whole other problem. Um, yeah, we can't get into that today. <laughs> we're not going to get into gerrymandering, but also like. There might be some issue that comes up within, in your district that's really important to a certain group of people in your district. And so they can be heard. Uh, it just allows, it's almost like ranked, ranked choice voting. It allows for a much more nuanced representation. So, you know, I might be a congressperson and there's only 5% of the people in my district who really care about a certain, but they feel very strongly about it. Well, I'm going to be able to hear them and I'm going to be able to be accountable to them. And not just make deals with other Congress people that shuts out minorities in my own district, right? Because that's the threat. You know, someone comes over to me from Minnesota and says, do me a favor, vote no on that bill, you know? And if I'm like a direct representation, I'm like not in the position to do that, A. And I have to say, no, I can't vote. I can't trade votes with you. I'm not going to do vote trading with you. Now, this could really, this could really cluster things up. I mean, but I don't know the way things are going. I'm not sure it's a bad idea. Yeah. And and I do think that number that the author cites, 30,000, Waylon, the, the representatives were designed to represent 30,000 people. That would be the mayor of Northampton, right? Yeah. That would be the mayor. Now, it's conceivable that the mayor of Northampton would have a pretty good grasp on what 30,000 people want. For Jim sure. McGovern is the congressperson from Worcester all the way out to Pittsfield. He's got 700,000 people. It's too much. You can't yeah. represent all those regions 
uh, effectively. So I'm not blaming him. I'm not saying it's his fault. But it's too many people. And it's just that's not what the house was designed to do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I, I think that um, technology, if leveraged correctly, you can you can hit many more people and, and get many more perspectives on something while simultaneously saving yourself uh, time and efficiency to to do your job too. So if you, need, I'm not, I'm not saying that you totally take the face-to-face -face inter interaction out of the equation. In fact, we've we've seen that we, you absolutely need that, especially in times of crisis or especially in times of tragedy. You need to be the boots on the ground in something like a Hurricane Katrina. You need to be the boots on the ground in a 9/11. You need to be there, experiencing that in a very, um, in a very meaningful and personal manner. But if there are certain things that are coming up for legislation, it doesn't make sense to meet to drive 30 minutes to meet with 10 people in a room and then drive another 40 minutes to meet with five people in a room. And I'm not I'm not trying to discredit that that idea. It's just if you want to to be the most effective and to and, and to actually make the most impact, you're going to need to use modes of technology in, in order to get a full comprehensive knowledge of, of your populace at that at that rate. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's also, uh, I like what you're talking about in terms of compromise. You know, for example, Congress could be almost mostly situated in their home districts, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't go to Washington four times a year for two week sessions to, because they need to have a kind of face-to-face -face situation. They need to draft bills in a collaborative way in the same room. It would just be shifting the balance back to the district. You know, that's the problem is that you get, you elect somebody and then they go down to Washington. By the way, the other problem that the founding fathers had was that it took like four weeks to get down to the Capitol from where we are. Like you couldn't fly, you know, it, it wasn't fast. So I do think that we're dealing with outmoded technology and I kind of think if Hamilton and Jefferson were around, they'd be like, wait, wait, no, you guys can, you can go virtual. Like these are people who were innovators. Jefferson was an innovator. Hamilton were, they were both really innovative people. You know, Jefferson invented all of this cool technology. Oh, yeah. So awesome. they wouldn't be sitting around being like, well, no, you've got to be there. You've got to be there in person. It doesn't, they'd be like, no, try it out, try it out. Like we need to do something because here's the thing. Uh, it's a real threat in America right now that people do not feel heard in the United States. The House of Representatives is the means by which to be heard. Like that's the that's the mob. And if you could kind of, it's I see it as necessary. Now it may not be direct representation, but it might be something like what this guy Ethan's talking about. Send the the Congress people back home for most of the year and double the size of the House of Representatives. At least you'll get it down to three hundred fifty thousand people. You know, yeah. if you split the second district up into two pieces, it's like so much more manageable than it is now. Yeah. Now, the other thing that we haven't hit on, too, is that, uh, man, how to put this there, the the amount of individuals that participate in civics. If, if we're talking about representation of 700,000 people, for instance, mm -hmm. the amount of people that actually take part in in engagement in that civics on be, like beyond just going and voting is probably less than 10% of that. So you're, you're, and I'm not saying that you discredit them or you do, you don't represent them. I'm saying that that engagement, when we, when we're talking about, uh, 
uh, meetings and, you know, being able to, to, uh, to sit in front of three, you know, 30,000 people in a, in a, in, in a town, a teletown conference type thing versus being in a room of 10 people, you may, you might put that, that teletown conference out and there might be 300 people that show up. I'm still yeah. saying that's better, that that's better numbers, but it also is incumbent upon the society to use those modes of communication and use that technology to make it a two-way conversation rather than, you know, uh, having a representative show up and just no one's there to be heard. Well, I get that. And I don't know if you remember, but I had a kind of wacky solution to that. Do you remember my wacky solution? I had a wacky solution. Uh, give you- everybody free um, free coffee and $50 Amazon gift cards? No, but um, that does work. Um, now, here was the solution. You had a lot of problems with it, which I really understood. But one idea was this. And just follow for a second. What if you could assign your vote to somebody? So say I have a neighbor who's, who I really trust on almost all issues. Uh, and I think that at least they're really educating themselves. You almost create this like uh, mini representatives under the representative. And so this person is given, you know, they, they have a voting block of 42 that they can go on the app and utilize. That was one of my yeah. solutions. That is so dangerous. <laughs> the commodification of a vote means right. that there is heavy manipulation and corruption that can ensue. Yeah. That's just the way it is. If all of a sudden you're told that you get a $50 Amazon gift card to sign over your 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 mm-hmm. voting key. At least you got 50 bucks. Though. Well, yeah. You, you, you know what? <laughs> yeah, if you don't care anyway. Yeah. But what if, what if Waylon, okay, fair enough. But what if you were empowering a bunch of people like yourself who actually show up at meetings and to basically go ahead and no, you don't have those votes, but you do have, you do educate the people in your own community. You become a leader. You well, become an issue leader. Yeah, that's, we that's, have conventions. You're, per, you're, a, you're a, on, a, on a very local level, you're a lobbyist, if that's right, it. Right, right. That's right. That's right. And, but you kind of create this role in society that people can fill in. And so that has the added uh, benefit of kind of giving, empowering people like yourself to be voices within the district. I mean, you, you, you abandoned me at the altar when we were doing this. Well, because you, you're like, yeah, let's, uh, let's take on a, a, a Titan in, um, in politics. I'm like, mm, is that a good idea? Yeah. Like, oh no, idea. everybody's going to band around this. I was like, mm. Maybe not. Listen, maybe just wait. Now, just wait. You know, just wait one cycle. Let's maybe think about this and develop this. You're like, let's go. Picnic tables. We need 150,000 picnic I tables. I know. I know. So I was really, I got really excited. But here's here's the thing, and I don't think you ever understood this totally. Although we've talked about it since, and my wife was the same way. My whole goal was to run as an issue. Was literally to try to get that in the national consciousness. My metrics for winning in that race was to get the times to write a short article about it. You know, I, I agree. I don't think the second Massachusetts district would adopt it. And, you know, Jim McGovern's both a pretty capable and very powerful congressperson. But that wasn't the point of running that campaign. The point of running that campaign was let's push one idea out to the American public that perhaps direct representation is the way of the future. And then you have some wacky district and you know, Washington state does it, you know, not here, 
but that was my goal. I didn't think I was going to become, a, well, there was a brief moment that I probably thought I was going to win that race because that's what happens when you get excited. But mostly my whole feeling about running that race was let's just run it to run it. You know, of course we're going to lose. That's the good news. Not only are we going to lose, but we know we're going to lose. So we're not going to lose because we're going to push this idea out there. So are we going to yeah. run in 2022? We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not sure. Like you know, I always tell, Nor I always tell Norma, I gotta, I gotta be somebody's campaign manager because I have too many skeletons in the closet. It's like the catacombs under the streets of Paris. Well, you say that, but I don't totally believe that. I think you'd be a good candidate, but I think you'd be a, a good campaign manager as well. So, uh, but uh, we'll talk about. I always felt like you were, you didn't want to tick off the Democratic Party. That's that was my that's what that was my guess hmm. about that. I'm not yeah. a I'm not a Democrat, so. Okay. Okay. Um, well, you have a political future of some kind waiting for you. Of course, we do this show, which has gotten us in all kinds of, could get us in all kinds of trouble anyway, right? I mean, we're probably, we're probably toast anyway. Um, all right, listen, I'm going to go ahead and hypnotize the whale dog now. Whalen, I am controlling you with the free associates card. Cue exit music. All right. Now, you have been listening to the Free Associates. You are also being hypnotized to like our page. We have our webpage, thefreeassociates.us, but we have our Facebook page. If you're listening on WMUA, we love you. Just keep listening. I think we're pretty close to the only programming coming out of MUA right now, but, so we're glad to fill some kind of role there. Uh, Waylon, what are you going to do with the rest of your day, pal? Oh, man. Uh, I got I, I did so many things on the van so far, so I got to put the bed back in. I might get some sheets. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little anxious now that I've done so many projects. You got to see this thing now. It's it's no, it's no, almost okay. done. I got to get it. I got to get the entire outside. I'm still figuring out what I'm going to do for a color of it. It's naming it. People are asking me a lot of things. Why don't you Why don't you drive by? It's a beautiful day. I know. Maybe I will. Right. Get in my Easter Bunny costume and head on out there. Scare the kids. All right, folks. Well, thanks so much for being with the Free Associates, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day. Bye bye.